let us, let us turn our hearts to God's word. Today's reading comes from Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 18. As Pharaoh approached the people, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through the pharaohs and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Cindy, for sharing that word. This has been a time of uncertainty for our leadership of the church as we have dispelled information with you over these past weeks, the concern for the staff, concern for the ministries of our church that are at stake here for this congregation. And in light of the events of terror and change and threat and uncertainty in our own way of life here in this country, with the word ISIS brings a whole new realm of anxiety for us all. It's in the midst of that this week that I've had to sit down with our staff and for the first time in my life in 30 years talk about reductions in salary, changes in job. We've had to inform the Methodist Conference here, our statewide organization, that our responsibility to them, which we've held our own over the last several years of We all, every church pays a portion of the mission budget for our entire ministry here in Mississippi. We had to say to them, you can't count on us to be 100% anymore. Our finance committee, our staff parish, our, our people in leadership positions have wrestled. We've had hours and hours of meetings to try to address these circumstances, to be faithful. And, and the good news is that people have responded and, and a record number of pledges has been offered here in this church, but we still have a shortfall. You've heard that word today. But I pray that, that there are those of you who will step forward, who will step into the light and say, you can count on me, and this is where our family will support you into to this amount so that we can go forward in faith. But, but right now, there's uncertainty. There's difficulty. And so 
I wanted to preach a sermon this morning about Thanksgiving, about blessing. That's why that tree out there on that board, that paper tree and the leaves that you can write blessings on is here. But as I looked at the events of today and the things that would unfold this week, I knew that there needed to be a different word. And so in times of my life when I have seen difficulty and challenge and struggle, I've looked to Scripture And the story of Moses and the story of the Exodus really rang true in my heart. And so I turned there this week as as I began to prepare these words. I think back in a few years ago when this lady called Katrina came aboard on land, a, a storm of magnitude we'd never known before, and how she affected from Texas all the way up the eastern seaboard, but especially here in Mississippi and as far north as where I lived in at the time in Meridian. People evacuated out of New Orleans and, and showed up at our church doorsteps on Sunday evening. We had a new building too. It was about the size of this room and we, we hosted 189 people. They, we had cots from the Salvation Army and from the Red Cross and we became a station. People in our church showed up to be hosts And we'd never done that before. There wasn't a blueprint for us, but there we were. And on the second day of us hosting them, the power in our building went out. I know that all of you around here were without power for a couple of weeks. We had 189 guests at our house. And it was was very difficult. And, And decisions we made as a leadership body in the church weren't popular with people in our church. Why'd you do this? Why'd you choose them over these? And, and, and it was very difficult. But I remember going to the scripture and reading about Moses and reading how Moses led these children of, out of Egypt to a promised land that God had told them about. And he used Moses as their leader. And so this morning, just for a few moments, I'd like to give you some snapshots of how we can hear direction from the desert. No sooner than Moses had led the children of Israel through the Red Sea because God had parted the waters and and provided them provision through that, then they ran into a place where they didn't have any water. They were out in the desert, and, and they began to cry out to Moses. They'd seen, they came to this place called the Pool of Marah, but the water was bitter, and it wasn't fit to drink. And they were turning to Moses, and Moses turned to God, and, and God said, Moses, take this bark, this tree bark, and place it in the water. Now, that didn't seem like anything miraculous like they'd witnessed crossing the Red Sea. But Moses took the bark, he placed it in the water, and in just a little while, they were able to drink, and the water nourished them for a time. Two weeks later, they moved into a place called the Valley of Sin. They further from their distance from crossing the Red Sea, and they began to whine again. They began to complain. They began to murmur against Moses. Why have you taken this out in this place to let us die? We could have stayed in Egypt. At least we got three meals a day and we had a roof over our head. Yes, times were hard, but God was taking care of us there and through Pharaoh. And Moses prayed to God. And God heard Moses' prayer. And God sent manna down from heaven. Manna is something like soggy cornflakes. And God told Moses and gave direction for the people every morning at dew, at the dew drop, 
to go out and gather enough manna for the day. He also gave them provision that they should gather twice as much the day of, before the Sabbath so that they would have provisions for the Sabbath. He gave very strict directions on how they should sustain themselves. And do you know, manna, a literal translation of manna is, what is it? So every morning for 40 years, they went out and gathered, what is it? And it was, what is it was what sustained them. It was a little thing. It wasn't anything written in the sky. It wasn't the great miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. It was a daily bread. That's how life is, isn't it? When you stop and look at it, there's some small things you receive to help you get through tough times. Perhaps it was a friend or a coworker or a family member who was willing to stand with you. Maybe you got a note in the mail or an email or somebody sent you something to read because they knew you were going through a difficult time. They didn't have the words to say, but this article, this note, this experience, this expression of God's grace was a little thing, but it helped you get through. I used to live on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, serve a church down there, and I met this guy who was an attorney, a little short, stocky guy, cocky as all get out, but for some reason we hit it off. His name was Billy. We spent a lot of time together. He was a member of the Methodist Church down in Gulfport. Was in a thriving law practice, very successful. President of the bar, Mississippi. But Billy went through a difficult time in his life. In fact, so difficult that he didn't think there was any way out. And he took his life. Billy had been my friend for well over 10 years. He stood with me when my wife and I got married in Memphis. And, and, he, and after the service was over with and the reception was over with, he still in his tux. He had, his old, had an old Miss baseball cap on, turned it around backwards, opened the doors of his Lincoln Town car, and we slid in. He swooped us off so that we could begin our honeymoon. He was that kind of friend. I didn't handle that news very well. I went to pieces. But it was the fact that there were some other guys around Mississippi that knew about our friendship. And for over a year, from time to time, they'd just call. They'd say, hey, man, how you doing? Well, I miss Billy. And we would talk. You see, I was feeling guilty because, you see, he was such a good friend of me. I thought even though I was living in, in Meridian and he was living in Gulfport and we didn't see each other as much as we, I thought I could have done something, you know? Why didn't I hear the signs? But I didn't. It was a dark time. But my friends, my friends called. They let me know I wasn't by myself. The little things. Direction from God comes in desert times when we're able to count on the little things, the what is it's to sustain us. Manna was one way God sustained us. And God sustained the Israelites with manna. But there was something else. God sustained Moses with singing. I love music. 
Music speaks to me sometimes when words cannot. Moses saying, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, if you look in the 15th chapter of Exodus, 18 verses, that's a long song, but 18 verses are there to express how Moses' joy for God and God's faithfulness to him during that time. He sings throughout the drama of Israel's journey through the desert. He sang in anticipation of what God was going to do, and he sang in anticipation of his own death because Moses didn't make it to the promised land with the Israelites. But he never kept, he always kept following. He never gave up on what God could do in the midst of the desert. I want to ask you a question about singing. How did you learn your ABCs? You remember? It's not a trick question. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. That's how I learned mine. Before I could read, I could sing my ABCs. Singing. Singing speaks to us in circumstances when we face the desert that give us hope. It encouraged Moses. I can tell you that, that last Sunday morning, a group of us from here at Parkway went to visit the field house. It's a homeless shelter right down Highway 49. We gathered with a group of our folks, and there must have been 50 to 75 clients there. They were there for breakfast. They were there to come and, and to be nurtured and loved and received. And we had a great time there. But when we walked in the building, we knew that there had been an aura over the room, and we found out that one of the men who had been a leader and part of the leadership of the field house he was known as Pastor Span, had died the night before. Pastor Span had quite a story. Uh, he, he epitomizes that phrase you've heard me use, and, and I have it in my office. It says, every saint has a past, but every sinner has a future. Pastor Span had been in prison in his life. He knew about the harsh realities of living on the margins of life. And he showed up at the field house, and for the last two and a half years, he has been an incredible witness to these people who come to the field house who are hopeless, who are jaded, who are mentally ill, who don't have anything except the clothes on their back. And he has been an incredible sign of God's grace, gone out of his way to help them, taking them places, just minister to people. And so we walked in to that. And as we gathered in a small room before we were to have worship, there's a guy named Tango. He's a former uh, contractor, and he's now assumed some leadership. And Tango was telling us Pastor Spann's story, and I just felt a real sense of heaviness in the room. I was expected to bring a message that morning, but I also had decided to take my guitar with me and us just do some singing before I preached. Well, after a few words of introduction, we started singing. And we sang, some of you may not know this because you're not old enough, but we sang, I'll fly away. And we sang, victory in Jesus. And we sang, blessed assurance. And we sang, when we all get to heaven. We sang, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. And we sang, Because He Lives. We just didn't sing, folks. There was passion in the singing. There was shouting. There was joy. There were people standing up and giving testimony. One young man stood up and, and, and gave us a sermon. 
but music drove that. Music spoke to everyone there in a way that words could not affect. It, it calmed the anxious feelings. It, it, it healed some brokenheartedness. And you see, that's what Moses received when those days were difficult in the desert. When he sang, God could speak through the music to his soul. And he could continue to lead the people forward towards the promised land. So I want to ask you a question this morning. When you've been discouraged in your life, when you've been through difficult moments, what songs come to you? What songs in your story speak hope to you? There's an old song that I heard as a little boy, and I still remember I used to sing it sometimes. And there's a line in the chorus of that song that goes, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. You and I may not know what tomorrow holds but we know who holds tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. Manna, soggy looking cornflakes, music and singing. And there's one more thing God offered in the desert. He helped Moses hold to the promise that there was a place for the children of Israel. Even though Moses couldn't see the promised land, he knew the one who made the promise. From the first time when he had taken off his shoes in the wilderness, we saw a, a burning bush and a voice coming from that bush. You remember that story perhaps. And he called him to go back and face Pharaoh and tell him to let the children of Israel go, that God was tired of their slavery. He'd heard their cries. Moses trusted God. He didn't know what he was about to face. He couldn't even speak well. He said, go get my brother Aaron. He's the lawyer. He speaks better than I do. God said, I'll tell you what to speak. He could trust God. And everything that happened in this story pointed to a relationship of trusting my guess is that each of you in this room have had some experiences in your life that have kept you believing that God keeps his promise. Now, believing that doesn't protect us from harm or from hardship or even tragedy. In fact, it may bring doubt to us when difficulties come and we say, why, God, why? God gives us a song. He gives us a word that sustains us in our darkest times. Every time we gather as a staff on Tuesday morning, we begin with a silent prayer and some reflection time. Somebody brings something to read or a devotion. This past Tuesday just so happens I was pinch hitting for someone who'd been scheduled. 
I knew that Tuesday was going to be a day when our staff would be receiving news of change. They didn't know, but I did. I was heavy-hearted. And when I get in times like that, I need familiar in my life. I need some standards that I can rely upon in my life. I'm a country music lover, and the standard in country music for me is George Jones, but I wasn't singing country music Tuesday morning. And as we sat in the room, I invited us into a time of quiet reflection. And then I spoke these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overfloweth. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's promise is true, my friends. We're walking through a desert time in our church's history. Didn't expect to be here. Thought everything was okay. But it's in the desert where we learn to rely on God in new ways and to trust God. May we seek to live out vows that we're asked when we stand before a church like this and join it. May we seek to be more faithful to serve God with our prayers and our presence and our gifts and our service and our witness. God, give us the courage to go forth in faith, to hold one another in our hearts in prayer, and to love one another more deeply so that our church's ministry can flourish, can reach out in this community in deeper and stronger ways and be a presence where light can shine through and so others can be drawn in to faith in Christ. That is my hope. That is my prayer. That is my pledge. May God grant us grace to go forth. Let us pray. Oh, God, we humble ourselves in a position now to make steps into a place we've not known before. And we pray that everyone here will find strength, will find courage and faith to walk together in faith with you to address the challenges so that our ministry here can continue to grow and do and be for your glory. 
Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to grow and know and trust you even more with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to receive now the offering as the band prepares to lead us in our final song, which is a wonderful old standard. Uh, And I'll invite you to stand and sing with them in just a few moments. But may we receive God's tithes and offerings.